Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Welcome to Bet the Edge on this Wednesday. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman, with the Whale Copper himself, Drew Dinsick. Dare I say the winning Whale Copper. Awesome play in the NBA last night. More to come in the show. But coming up today, awesome and packed show. We have Nick Henyon coming on. He has his eye on some Premier League lines. We're going to find out which matchups he's attacking. Plus, it's Wednesday. You know the deal. Will Gray's here to tell us how overseas travel now on the PGA Tour is impacting his handicap. We'll get some plays from him. And, of course, points bet head trader Jay Croucher will preview a busy night in the NBA and explain why there are huge spreads in the NFL this week. We also have our edge of the day and so much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge powered by points bet. We're going to get right into the show, but fairly quickly, Drew, congrats on your winner last night. Awesome game. You talked about the Lakers last night in that team, and I think you were spot on. Also got the dub along the way. I, the only problem is uh, the jig is up. <laughs> Everybody saw exactly <laughs> how bad one the game. Lakers are. It took one game. I thought we might have gotten like a couple months out of this, but no. Uh, I will just mention real quickly, the Lakers do have a very, very soft opening part of their schedule. They get a bunch of games against Houston, Oklahoma City. So there may be another you know, kind of sell high on this team as we get into the mix here. But uh, I think they have a lot to figure out in terms of their rotation if they're going to be a true contender. Holy smokes. Absolutely. This is a true story fairly quickly, Drew. Last week or two weeks ago, maybe you were talking about the NFL and you said the jig is up about a certain team. I can't, <laughs> I can't recall. No, this is seriously true. And my boyfriend heard you say it. And for the past seven days, he has said the term the jig is up. I am not kidding. Everyone watching this 55 times. 55 times. So when you just said the jig is up, if you saw me laugh, it's because I'm just reliving this household term now that's happening. So the jig is up. The new term is the jig is up also on the Lakers. The jig is up. The jig is up in the EPL. And let's get to our next guest. Our first guest, rather, Nick Hennion. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you taking the time. I, I look at the Premier League, and it's such a busy time, whether it's getting ready, obviously, um, and staying with the Premier League. Of course, they have the Champions Cup, Champions League, everything, you name it. And it's such a busy time when these teams are focusing on quite a few tournaments. And the only team that has not lost in the Premier League thus far is Liverpool. And they have, obviously, a huge matchup right now against Man U. Take me through that game and overall some of the major plays you're looking at for this weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, you said it. First of all, thank you for having me back, guys. Great to be with you as always. I, I mean, Liverpool have been accordingly brilliant, is the way I like to put it, in, in terms of both their on-field play and sort of the metrics that back it up. Because, you know, 22 goals this season on 21 and a half expected. So you're not really seeing any, like, misfortune or good fortune. They've just been really, really good. And you're seeing that by the fact that they haven't lost all season. And as you mentioned, only team to do so. So Man United on the flip side have been extremely lucky on the offensive end. And I think they have the biggest goal discrepancy of their actual goals for versus their expected goals for among the top half sides. So you've really seen some fortune there. So, you know, I really like Liverpool in this matchup. And, you know, I'm not going to take a look at the plus 120 money line, but you have to imagine that Liverpool are going to be the offensive driving force in this match, as they have been in recent memory. I mean, they're unbeaten in the last four against United, and I don't see that changing very much. United have allowed at least one expected goal in six straight matches so far. So I just think that given that Liverpool have exceeded two expected goals in all but one of their matches this season, I have no choice but to look at Liverpool. So the way I'm going to play this is Liverpool double chance. So you win if they win the match or they draw is about minus 225, minus 230. It's, it's fluctuated a little bit, but... I'm going to do that along with the Manchester City money line, and that gets it to about even money, which is a really good proposition for me. So I know parlays can be a little square sometimes, but Liverpool, there's way more metrics at play, but I just think Liverpool are far and away the better side United is. Uh, well, the market is with you. Uh, if you are curious, you can watch this very, very exciting EPL matchup on Sunday on NBC and Peacock, uh, as I mentioned 63% of the bet count, 54% of the handle on Liverpool in that market. The uh, rest of the EPL offers a ton of really good matchups this week. It's been a fun start to the season, I have to say. I've been enjoying the EPL quite a lot. And uh, one of the teams that's been the most fun to handicap, and you can really, you've seen sort of the buy low, sell high on this team over the course of the season, has been the Wolves. They take on Leeds this week, and Leeds is, um, you know, they've in general, been uninspiring do you think the wolves have a decent shot against this squad yeah i do and i'll put it to you this way wolves are either gonna make me a lot of money by the end of the season <laughs> or i'm just gonna look like a total idiot and they're just gonna like not get their act together basically but i have wolves power rated as a top five side right now in the premier league and that's like the biggest discrepancy of any team in the entire epl even net negative i mean talk about a team like brighton I basically have Wolves power rated where Brighton are sitting in the table right now. That's fourth. Mm. So I don't really understand this line at all. Like to me, the wrong team is favored. And I know it's plus money all around on the three way, but you know, Wolves are the third best EPL team on the road this season. And leads have been garbage. I mean, the thing I'll say <laughs> is wait until lineups come out on Saturday because Leeds could potentially be without all of the following. Patrick Bamford, Rafinha, Calvin Phillips, Luke Ayling. Those are basically their four best players. Meanwhile, Wolverhampton, I would look and see if Daniel Podence finds his way into the starting 11 this week because he came on as a sub against Villa and basically single-handedly led that comeback. So if you see a front three of Podence, Raul Jimenez, Adama Torre, I don't see how this young Leeds defense 
is capable of stopping that. So draw no bet is the play for me here. I saw it at plus 115 last night. I've seen it move a little. I'd play it up to minus 125. Like, this is the biggest discrepancy of the week. And I think Wolves, asking them to do no worse than a draw, is a very feasible task. Absolutely, especially with probably a low total. I look at right now with the Wolves and their last three road games against Leeds, they have won and they haven't even allowed a goal. So obviously their defense has been showing up in these matchups. You've talked a lot about the sides and these fun bets, draw no bet, but totals are where I like actually to target in the Premier League for many reasons. I mentioned at the top of the show with different tournaments going on on the side, typically there's a rest advantage or a disadvantage. And that word, that's where a lot of totals come into play for me. So I look at West Ham and Tottenham and a total that's gotten a lot of action as of late is the over in this. It's juiced right now at minus 125. Is that the angle you like along with 77% of the handle over at points bet also coming in on that side? Yeah, I guess my side's going to be the public side. But <laughs> and curiously, like when I went to bed last night, this was minus 130. So now it's down to minus 125. So I'm curious why you've seen that money move. But the angle I like here is, you know, West Ham aren't used to playing in European competitions. And they play one tomorrow afternoon in the Europa League. It feels odd to say, but I feel like this total depends on what you get out of Tottenham. And the, the assumption I'm making is the fact that they scored three at Newcastle and maybe just seeing the ball go into the back of the net a few times will kind of reinvigorate their offensive prowess, you know, with Harry Kane and Hungman Son and that entire attacking quartet. So I think West Ham are a side that, you know, historically this has been a very profitable over fixture. You know, three of the last four have gone over the total. In the last five, at least one side has gotten to one expected mm -hmm. goal. Th both sides have gotten to one expected goal in three of the last five. So I think the fact when you add in the fact that West Ham have seen both of their subsequent EPL fixtures go over the total after their Europa League match in the midweek, I think you could see five or six in this game. I'm surprised you're only having to pay minus 125 for over two and a half goals. Nick, we're in agreement there 100%. I like your angle, especially with the fact of Tottenham playing that Europa League game tomorrow, hopefully getting some of their offensive mindset and legs moving a little bit of um, a lot of offensive momentum heading into the weekend rather for Sunday. So that's a great angle. If you're not already, follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Henry and tons of plays, of course, for the Premier League on NBCSportsEdge.com. Have a great weekend and good luck with all your plays for Sunday. All right, you bet. Thanks for having me, guys. We appreciate you guys listening to us here on Bet the Edge. Wherever you may be listening, rate the podcast, sign up. We're giving you a ton of actionable information every single weekday in just about 30 minutes or less. And the lines move quickly, so we do want to make sure you're gaining an edge with us. And of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I am available at whale underscore capper. Sarah is at Sarah Perlman. If you want to know why <laughs> I fired on the Indiana Pacers tonight uh, and why I am cold on the Charlotte Hornets this season, Reach out to me on Twitter. I'll be happy to uh, give you my entire breakdown. I'm curious about the Pacers play. So maybe we'll get into that a little bit later with a bonus play for Edge of the Day. We do have to get into an awesome little tournament we have here, the Zozo Championship in Japan. And let's welcome in Will Gray, of course, on Wednesdays. Will, thanks for taking the time. I look at this Zozo Championship, no cut event, 78 golfers. The field, not the strongest, of course, not the, not the biggest PGA Tour names making the trip to Japan. And reminder to place your bets 
soon. It does start at 7.30 p.m. Eastern tonight, of course, Japan ahead of time. Before we get to your actual plays, I'm more curious about how you even handicap a tournament such as this. Obviously, on the other side of the globe, weaker competition, uh, the course in general. What's your what's your mindset here? Yeah, Sarah, you could describe this field as sus, for sure. Uh, you've got <laughs> two major champions at the top. You've got Morikawa and Hideki. you got the Olympic gold medalist in Xander Shoffley. And then it gets interesting in a real hurry. This is a, another no-cut event, just like last week at the CJ Cup. But these two are very different in terms of the strength of the field. This is the first PJ Tour event in Asia in two years. Remember that these events were played last year in California. This was at Sherwood. So you can take last year's results and throw them out the window. You look at 2019 when Tiger won the inaugural Zozo, and that course was basically flooded. They had to cancel play for a day. It went through till Monday for a finish. So that's not really a reliable source of information. You need to look at a lot of recent form, and then I've looked a lot at some course correlations, some, some comparisons to other courses and regular PGA Tour venues that maybe have the same style and characteristics, and that's where I'm going to try and bring my handicap to figure out who might be floating to the top. Yeah, that was wild with the no cut last week because Morikawa probably wasn't making the weekend and then he gets, what, second in the tournament? That was absolutely incredible seeing him come back on the field like that. As we look kind of uh, up and down this uh, this card, uh, it is fascinating. The three most bet golfers in order are Colin Morikawa at 7-1, to Salatoris at 20-1, to Hideki Matsuyama at 11-1. to However, the top liabilities exist with Vegas, McNeely, and uh, Will Zalatoris. Uh, somebody must be martingaling that Zalatoris, just waiting for this win. I don't support that, but best of luck to you, whoever you are. <laughs> Looking at uh, the top 10 market, there's got to be some names, some guys who don't normally come on the radar, uh, who, uh, you know, have a, who are kind of big prices to get to the top 10 uh, that we can find some value in. What do you think? Yeah, there's definitely a dueling Martingale going on between Zalatoris and Scheffler that I want no part of. And, and it's understandable <laughs> that Hideki is getting bet a lot playing in Japan uh, in front of partisan crowds. I, I've got Joaquin Neiman at, I had him at 25 to 1 in my column yesterday, and he's now down to 20 to 1. He's kind of my headliner this week when you look at some course comparisons where he's succeeded places like Innisbrook and Detroit Golf Club and Colonial. If you put in some trees, you tighten up the fairways, that's when Joaquin Neiman really shines. I think against a weak field this week, He's a guy to look for. But you're right, Drew. This is a no-cut event, 78 guys. So I, I am interested in finding some of those flyers for top 10 and top 20 bets. And one that I have to give some credit to my colleague, Josh Culp. He had this in his Monday article on NBC Sports Edge. Scott Vincent, he is from Zimbabwe. Uh, he went to school at Virginia Tech, but he plays primarily on the Asian tour and in Japan. Remember, this Asian swing is usually two or three events. You get guys, they fly over. They're going to stay for a couple weeks. This is now a one-off event in Japan. Last week's event was supposed to be in Korea. It was back in Vegas. So they're flying over for one week and coming back. Scott Vincent is right at home. He has played 17 straight events in Japan. He has seven straight top 15 finishes, including two wins. He has been lights out on the Japan tour in recent months. And you know, you think it's going to be leveling up in competition, but he did finish T16 at the Olympics against a pretty good field. So he's been bouncing around plus 800, plus 850 for a top 10 finish. You might want to look at him. For a potential first round leader market but while some of these bigger names are going to be shaking off the cobwebs of jet lag and maybe they're not used to the course conditions in japan scott vincent even though he's from africa went to school in the states he's going to feel right at home in japan this week i really like this angle of fading the travel fatigue these guys spent a week in vegas in between two tournaments and now they fly west to east never an especially good um you know going across the dateline going across pacific this is tough travel do you think that there is just a general blind fade angle on some of these guys in the matchup markets or did they do a kind of a good job of matching up guys who 
were both in Vegas against each other. Yeah, I, I think that there's the fact is there's not a ton of overlap in the field. A lot of the guys that played last week aren't making the trip. You do have Morikawa and, and Shoffley at the top, and I've seen them in markets kind of paired up against each other. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, there is also the thought that these guys are not flying in 32D across the, the Atlantic <laughs> Pacific, rather. So, you know, this is this is a, a comfortable travel spot for some of the bigger names. But yeah, at the same time, this is this is a factor. We look at this every year with the Open Championship. And anytime, you know, you're crossing the international date line, you're going across mm -hmm. this many time zones, especially for one week, it's something to factor in. And so I do think that you can look at rest and look at fatigue, even though we're getting towards the end of the season and people are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel for what little offseason there is in the PGA Tour. I do think that this week specifically, it's something to consider with your handicap. Well, I always ask you every single week when you come on and we're talking about the PGA Tour, the head-to-head -head market, what you're referring to, there has to be a play here that you really like. Yeah, I have to shout out the no-cut event uh, last week because I had Jason Kokrak over Max Homa, and he was 10 shots back after the first round and somehow clawed his way back. And uh, we got the, the hard-fought W uh, taking the scenic route last week. Never uh, so I'm going to go with Emiliano Grillo at, at minus 121 against Carlos Ortiz. And this is a, a similar handicap to where I came to Joaquin Neiman because Grillo is a guy that, that really plays well on the tree-lined and tighter courses where there's an emphasis on ball striking. And this is a course, if you look back at the 2019 leaderboard, it forgives a lot of putting sins. You had guys like Keegan Bradley, Corey Connors, Ball striking machines who tend to struggle on the greens, they were in the mix. And so I think that that's a good recipe this week for Grillo, who, when we last saw him, was shooting a 61 Sunday in Las Vegas. He finished T18 despite losing strokes gained on the greens across all four rounds. So I think that his ball striking is in a really good place. Carlos Ortiz on the other side, his metrics have really been on the decline since about May or June. So Grillo is a guy that I'm definitely considering on my shortlist for the outright markets, but certainly in the head-to-head -head here against Carlos Ortiz, I think he's a buy. So Grillo in the head-to-head -head against Carlos Ortiz. I like Scott Vincent plus 850 for a top 10-year card. Also includes Joaquin Neiman at 20 to 1. I know you got 25 to 1 for the outright winner. Will is on Twitter at WillGrayGC. Make sure to read all of his analysis and handicap there. And of course, on NBCSportsEdge.com. Will, thanks so much. It's good being with you guys. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free.
The NFL season is in full swing and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night 7. Predict what will happen between the Colts and 49ers on Sunday night for a chance to win up to $100,000. It's free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com predictor. It's time to get a peek behind the curtain at PointsBet Sportsbook with their head trader, Jay Croucher. Jay, thanks for taking the time. Now, Jay also joins us on Blitzing the Board on Thursdays. And if you're not watching that, you need to tune in for that segment because Warren Sharp and him have an awesome back and forth. And Warren gets to grill him and get the insight for the NFL. And I'm hoping Drew will do the same here with the NBA. But I'll start us off here. And we're going to begin with the Celtics and the Knicks. And I look tonight. And the Knicks are laying two. The total is 216 and a half. I'm more curious, though, for these season openers, for these big matchups. And we saw it last night. It's really tricky to handicap. Obviously, we saw a bad beat yesterday on, on one of the totals in particular. But in terms of the Knicks, what I'm fascinated by is the sense that this team was so good at home last year, got a lot of traction. Now they're laying two against this average Celtics team, we should say. Is there a tax on some of the teams like the New York Knicks, for example, that come into these games and, and the public maybe likes to take these trendier names and teams? Certainly, definitely in the playoffs in particular with the Knicks when there was the Madison Square Garden factor and that place was rocking and giving them an additional home court advantage. But, you know, there's probably not the same tax uh, on the Knicks as a big market team as there would be if they had more superstar talent. But just the fact that, you know, it isn't, you know, it's not the Carmelo Anthony peak days. It's Julius Randle is the guy who, as Drew likes to tell me, was all NBA last year, but probably doesn't have the same <laughs> name impact as other stars. But yeah, this Knicks team is really interesting because, you know, they had a lot of metrics last year that said they wouldn't be able to sustain. But to counteract that, the roster's gotten a lot better. Yeah, I would have uh, blind fired on Boston here as a dog were it not for the questions swirling around Jalen Brown's availability. Uh, obviously, not a lot of um, not a lot of resiliency in terms of offensive creativity on the Boston Celtics if Brown is not on the floor. So this one was a pretty straightforward pass for me. The other kind of marquee matchup of the night is another relatively big home number. We're seeing the home teams getting a ton of respect here early in the season. The Suns are minus six hosting the Denver Nuggets. The total sitting at 224 and a half. Now, the Suns obviously coming off of a season where they absolutely uh, impressed in the regular season, in the playoffs. This was a dynamic team, a complete team. But the fact that they're asking to lay six against the Nuggets team that brings with it the reigning MVP uh, is a lot, uh, is, you know, it's a pretty hefty price. Is this entirely people sort of forgetting what the Nuggets have beyond Nikola Jokic? Or is this uh, just in general a fair price for a Suns team that probably ought to be the favorites for the West right now? Yeah, not a lot of respect for my hometown, Denver Nuggets. I think that, you know, the corollary for this is that, you know, these teams played in the playoffs. And, you know, the line for Phoenix game one at home to Denver was Phoenix five and a half. And so it ticks up a little bit to six. I think the Nuggets, there's just a bit of kind of lukewarmness and fatigue around them because they don't have Jamal Murray. And people probably aren't going to really start looking at this team as the team that they will be until maybe March uh, when Murray is back. But... You know, from a Nuggets perspective, the thing that, you know, we'll be looking at is Michael Porter Jr. and whether he can kind of become a Jamal Murray level of player because that's what will make them a title contender or whether he's just a guy who averages 22 points a game and gets one assist a game and doesn't really defend too well. 
Um, but if he can take a leap, then I think Denver really bolts up into that top tier. But also this line is also just a lot of respect for Phoenix and, and what they did in that playoff run where they had a lot go their way, but at the same time, they did destroy teams and take care of business. And like you said, Drew, um, they belong in that top tier in the West. Fairly quick, you're just curious, where's most of the money coming in for you guys on this game? So most of the money's coming in on the Nuggets. Uh, it's probably because of where I am in Colorado, uh, <laughs> right. where we are live. There's a lot of Colorado money on the Nuggets, particularly at that plus six. Just like Nikola Jokic is the best player by far across these two teams, and he's getting six points. And I think people are just looking at that, and they don't really want to go against that. So more of the money on the Nuggets at the moment. I I completely agree with you, though. The Nuggets so much revolves around Michael Porter Jr. this season and how he grows as specifically as a distributor. Uh, if he can get one assist per game up to like three or four, that unlocks a ton of offense across this team because right now they're asking Nikola Jokic to do it all. So uh, will be very important to watch that play out. Want to transition here to baseball because we have a game five on our hands. Now, yesterday was pretty wild for the Astros and the Red Sox, obviously, at the end of that game. Some questionable calls end up opening the floodgates for the Houston Astros in that offense. And now we have a game five between Houston and Boston. And we're looking at a pitching matchup that we've already seen, Valdez and Chris Sale. And I'm super excited for this game. But as I just look at the futures market in general, the Astros are now back to favorites to win the World Series. So you're assuming that, of course, Valdez and the Houston Astros have the edge today and for the rest of the series. Exactly what goes into making these lines when it comes down to a game five? You've seen both offenses. Bullpens have been used. I want what you guys are discussing in the trading room, breaking down things like game five, what exactly is being discussed or is it just numbers and analytics? So I think that the price right now, like the main thing that's informing the price is just that Houston have home field back and they get two of the last three and that's why they are favorites. I think that, you know, big picture, this is, it sets up so perfectly because all season Boston's upside and the thought of them as a potential World Series team, it was all tied into Chris Sale coming back and the fact that they didn't need to make a huge deadline addition because they were getting Chris Sale back. And now it's all on Chris Sale, who hasn't been good. <laughs> and so uh, I think it's fitting in that way. And, and also the stakes are even higher for Boston because they burned Nathan Uvaldi last night, where they were going for the kill. They didn't get it. And now it, it all comes down to Sale, where I think that, you know, Houston, with their injuries in the rotation, with how their starters haven't looked ultra impressive, our power ranking of them probably goes down. But the fact that they have home field now, the fact that Uvaldi was used last night, tilts the balance slightly in their favor uh, for the series. Wow. Man, the drama last night was unbelievable. Uh, thought for sure you were looking at uh, the Dodgers were dead, and yet uh, they come back from the dead on the bat of Cody Bellinger, of all people. Uh, and then similarly, uh, Red Sox could not deliver the uh, the death blow to the, to the hated Astros. Um, I want to pivot a little bit here and talk some NFL while we got you just because still you know this is week seven the NFL still is king in terms of the betting handle I'm, I'm, I'm assuming and Thursday night football is an enormous question mark for both teams you have cluster injury going on for Denver at the linebacker position which would normally be like oh wow my goodness they're going against Cleveland best of luck to you uh, but Cleveland no running backs available Baker Mayfield scratch for Case Keenum I guess first question for you do you make an adjustment for Baker Mayfield to Case Keenum? Is this uh, what half a point, a point? Uh, and then you know, you know, even more broadly, what are some of the key angles that you're seeing and and some of the market activity on this Thursday night football game that is huge question mark? Yeah. So recently, we've seen more money come in on the Broncos just because people don't want to ride with Case Keenum in prime time, which I think is fair enough. But I think the gap between a hobbled 
Baker Mayfield playing with a torn labrum and a healthy case gainum is probably not as big as some people might think. So the adjustment isn't too significant. It won't be bigger than a point. Obviously, the difference between a healthy Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum is significant. But, you know, this Cleveland team has never really been about Baker Mayfield. It's been about the offensive line. It's been about the running backs, um, even though running backs don't attach too much importance to them. But when you've got guys like Chubb and Kareem Hunt behind the best offensive line in football, that is their identity. Obviously, the running backs are injured as well. So it's all falling apart for Cleveland, uh, as it tends to every year. But it's a good time as well to get the Broncos, who are also banged up. The shine of Teddy Bridgewater, you know, after week three, we're talking the trading rooms. Teddy Bridgewater, an outside chance at MVP at 100 to 1. Turns out he's not. He's definitely not. (laughs) Teddy Bridgewater is not the MVP. Uh, So both of these teams are probably catching each other at a good time for each of them. Uh, But I don't think we'll see the best game out of these two. Certainly Denver will get better as the year goes on. And then Cleveland, huge question marks around whether Baker can get fit. uh, But we still make them slight favorites in this game. This game's going to be gross. I have a play on it for my edge of the day in a bit, but I'm not excited for it. Last week, you did come on and talk about, during our other show, Blitzing the Board, you talked about even the Seahawks getting a lot of points, it seemed like, against the Steelers. It does seem like I wish I grabbed the Broncos when there were more points on the board. Now it's at three, but that's a relatively tiny spread if you look at the rest of the Week 7 slate. There are so many double-digit spreads here, Jay. I'm looking at the Rams, Tampa Bay, Arizona. Who knows if the Packers will reach 10 right now, still 9.5 in most spots, including at points bet. This is a two-part question I have for you. We know the public has been cleaning up last week, the week prior. Is that in these lines built in that it almost seems like favorites are being bet so heavily that you can lay such a big number? Or in your guys' opinion, are these large numbers, 17, 15, 12 and a half fair prices? So there is probably a small element of, of that in terms of waiting to favorites, but really we're just looking to set the lines accurately and you know, we think that the bottom has kind of fallen out for a few of these teams. Houston being the main one where, you know, they started off frisky. Now it's all falling apart for Houston. The Davis Mills has peaked Tom Brady era lasted uh, one afternoon. <laughs> he came firmly back down to earth. And so I think the other thing in the NFL is that, you know, just as you see higher scoring, you see these explosive offenses like the Rams, like the Bucks, there is just so much more of a scope for these games to get really out of hand, to see some 44 to 10 type scenarios. So I think that, you know, that's an element of it. And there's also just an element where, you know, the Bears right now are, are really bad and, and Matt Nagy isn't helping them. The Texans obviously are not in a good spot. And then our right now our biggest handle imbalance on the week is with the Rams, where we're taking over 90% of our handle on them. Minus 15 against Detroit. There's not too many people who believe in the Jared Goff revenge tour and uh, people are very comfortable um, taking the Rams. It's amazing. It's like handicapping college football all of a sudden. Uh, except you don't even get voting points for laying these beatdowns on these terrible NFL teams. But uh, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we handicap the matchups we're given. Jay's on Twitter at CroucherJD. He's with us every week here on Bet the Edge to give us a look behind the counter with points. Bet and also Thursdays at 3 p.m. blitzing the board. Gives us an insight on all of the week seven lines there with Drew, myself, and Warren Sharp. Jay, thanks so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Drew. Huge, huge numbers this week in the NFL. I have not been able to wrap my head around it besides maybe just taking the dogs and holding my breath for a lot of these games. Um, And I'm going to hold my breath for about 30 hours. So wish me luck. It starts tomorrow. We wrap up the show with our favorite 
plays available. I am so curious to hear where you're going and why in the NBA. Yeah, so I'm going to lay the three points with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, this has been a fun market to watch mature because when it opened, the Philadelphia 76ers were one and a half point favorites. And you might ask, well, that's weird because I remember seeing them as five point favorites. And that's true. There was an enormous adjustment in the direction of the Philadelphia 76ers when Ben Simmons reported to camp and Zion Williamson was ruled out for this game. Uh, since then, there's obviously been a ton of drama in Philadelphia. Ben Simmons acts out of practice, gets suspended for this game, uh, and the line moves two points in the direction of New Orleans. That does not make a ton of sense to me. In general, the Ben Simmons contributions were expected to be negligible, if any, in this game. He's obviously not in a headspace where he was going to provide much of a positive uh, impact to 76ers in this spot. And honestly, I kind of like what the 76ers have done to fill out this roster around Joel Embiid with shooters, much in the exact opposite way that the Lakers went in assembling their team and bringing in big name vets and guys, you know, putting them around the uh, the perimeter who don't provide that shot. The Sixers have a bunch of guys that play very specific niche roles defensively from a shooting perspective, uh, and the second unit is going to be drastically improved from last season. Now there are some pretty clear downgrades at the uh, defensive side of the ball when you take Ben Simmons off of the floor for the 76ers. However, I do not see that manifesting at all against this Pelicans team. The Pelicans, realistically, they made a nice move bringing in Devontae Graham. I think that matters. In fact, that's one of the reasons I think that the Hornets are going to be in trouble this season. Um, but besides Devontae Graham, there are still huge questions swirling about how this team is going to gel. I don't love the coaching decisions that they have made. Um, Jonas Valanciunas is well past his peak, and he is likely going to have a meaningful role for this team offensively while we wait for Zion Williamson to get healthy. Um, this is really Brandon Ingram and a bunch of guys and going up against Joel Embiid is not a good matchup for them. Uh, I think Joel Embiid, he's going to force uh, Valanciunas off the floor realistically. And uh, I think the 76ers, you're getting a free few points here with the market moving against them after the Simmons suspension. And uh, just in general, I think the 76ers are a bet on team if you're going to get them as a short favorite this season. And money's come in on them. This was three, as you mentioned. Now we're looking at three and a half. So earlier this morning, people thought to themselves, 76ers are the right side, regardless of this Ben Simmons drama, we should call it a now suspension. Um, pretty mind-blowing in my opinion. But I move on and I go to the NFL. And it's interesting. I found a prop I like for Thursday night football, which was hard because we have Case Keenum and a million injuries. But last night I was doing some work for the Thursday night slate, Drew, and I came up with a prop that I think is probably going to come in my direction, so I'll grab it now, even though it's relatively low. It's Javante Williams for the Denver Broncos, uh, RB1-2 sharing snaps with Melvin Gordon. I looked at his receiving yards prop, and it's 13-and-a-half. I'm going to go with the under. There's so many injuries on both sides, particularly the Brown side, kind of taking away from some of these really nice props on, on the Broncos side. Melvin Gordon was limited on Monday, but he did practice yesterday, which is huge because like I said, they've been splitting reps. And if I look at the Browns defense, which is going to be necessary and crucial for them in this arguably must-win spot, even with Case Keenum. They held James Conner and Chase Edmonds to four receiving yard combines last week. If you look back to one of the better running games, especially in the pass-catching game, even like Dalvin Cook, he was held to 10 yards a few weeks prior. Javante Williams is averaging just around three receptions per game. I do not see that changing here. Denver's now going up against an elite pass rush. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be under a ton of pressure. 
Um, I think that your guy, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney should have a really good field day here. So I think the Browns defense are going to come up big in this spot. I like Williams to go under. They're going to run the ball, try to take advantage of the clock and just play a little bit of a safer game where they honestly, the Broncos could get the win here. So I look at this prop relatively low. I think it goes under. He's only gone over this a few times, and this is a really good spot to go. Javante Williams under 13 and a half receiving yards. Solid look by my by my book. I, I don't know how you found this one, um, but took uh, a deep dive. It's a it's a it, well done all around. Good find. I think uh, there's not a lot to make this Thursday night football game interesting, but I will be refreshing the stat updates on Javante Williams receiving yards now. Low number. We need a little vested interest. Miles Garrett can have himself a day, which would of course help you. And I will take Javante Williams under in the receiving yards for Thursday night football. Thanks for watching us on our NBC Sports and YouTube channel. Good luck with all of your plays for today and for tonight. Have an awesome rest of your day. For Drew Densick, I'm Sarah Perlman, and here with Beth the Edge, we will see you right back here, same place, same time tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.